Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. When you're only looking at that narrow sliver of information, your context to what the situation might be can be very limited as well. So you might not find or even see the problem at all because you're only looking in that one area. Something that could be affecting the heart could be coming from the stomach or it could be some kind of nerve damage in the spine that's causing heart pain. And so you have to take a holistic approach to see what the real problem could be. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. Now, if you haven't yet listened to my recent conversations with the author of Getting to Yes and, Bob Coolhan, and with marketing consultant and author Nick Smith, then do go check them out. It's well worth it, but only after you've listened to today's conversation, of course. I'm really excited today to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest, Dustin Miller. Dustin is an aspiring polymath someone who is an expert in many different areas. He created Poly Innovator as a foundational means to build out the various careers he wants out of life. He's on a mission to create a modular education platform. In our discussion today, Dustin talked to me about his system of self-education, self-improvement and self-development. We talked about creating content in multiple formats and adapting to the evolving nature of content creation. And we geeked out a little bit on the power of Notion as a knowledge management system. Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Dustin Miller. Hi, I'm your host Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz and today I'm really excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast all the way from Columbia, Missouri in the USA, Dustin Miller, who's a self-described poly innovator and we'll talk a little bit more about what exactly that is and he's also an omni content creator. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Dustin. It's a real privilege to have you here as my guest today. Thank you, Jürgen, for having me. Now, Poly Innovator. So tell us a little bit more. What what does that mean to you? What is it? And why did you go down that path? Yeah. So even when you were doing the intro there, I was thinking about how people would perceive it. So you're saying a Poly Innovator or the Poly Innovator as a way of signifying difference between other people being a Poly Innovator, which I think is interesting just on its own. I often just say Dustin Miller Poly Innovator as it's a separate name almost of sorts. But for me, it's a little bit of a concept and an identification kind of thing. I really identified with this whole idea of a polymath, and I've always wanted to be in this idea of innovation, which we'll get into a little bit later with the story, I guess you could say. And so I combined the idea of becoming a polymath, which is someone who is 
deep knowledge in many different areas with this idea of wanting to work in innovation and make a change in the world. So a polymath of innovation, a poly innovator. And so that's who I want to be. That's who I am now, even to a degree. And yeah, I want to create my life ahead of me. Hmm. That's fascinating. So you decided to be that. So you, you're not talking about that's my aspiration. That's what I want to become. You're basically saying to yourself, I am that I'm going to be that. Uh, how did you kind of come up with that firm belief that you could be that and then basically behave in a way that meant that you were actually a poly innovator? Yeah. So I guess we can jump right into this idea, something I've worked on for self-growth and self-development in a way. I created this, what I call the personal poly innovation system. And what's interesting is that I've created it kind of in reverse in a way. So it starts with self-education, self-improvement, and then self-development. And each of those would seem like they're synonyms and they mean the same thing, but they don't really. When you look at the details, they don't mean the exact same thing. Self-education is the foundation. It's the education of your life and what you are learning to improve yourself. Self-improvement, on the other hand, is the habits and systems that go into the daily practice. We were talking before the show about Notion. It's a great tool for actually organizing your habits and keeping track of which habits you're keeping up. And then finally, you have the self-development, which is something I created first. Before Poly Innovator, I worked on this concept of the United Living Construct, the company I wanted to create uh, for a hub of innovators of the world. And it's interesting because kind of what you're doing actually here with Innoviz. And so what's interesting is that self-development is about the four pillars philosophy that I created, the mind, body, spirit, and emotions, understanding those four major aspects of life. And between all three of these areas for the personal poly innovation system, I try to learn more. I try to keep my habits going. Like at the beginning of the pandemic, when we were in quarantine, my habit for working out went out the window, just like everyone else. And so it's interesting how getting that back on that track and getting back in the gear was easier for me because of this system that I created. And so that's one reason why I think I'm more of a poly innovator. So I can innovate my life so I can help innovate the world outside of that. Hmm. There's a whole lot there that I'd really like to unpack because um, you, you triggered a whole lot of thoughts in my mind. I mean, particularly the one the one that straight away I felt guilty about was letting the habit of um, working out slip when the pandemic yeah. started. Um, so as my listeners know, I'm a keen bike rider and one of the things that fell off the wagon a little bit um, when the pandemic started was going out on a morning ride with a bunch of my buddies, which was mm -hmm. the accountability factor and the motivation factor that got me out on days when perhaps the weather was a bit cold and I maybe felt a little flat, but I still got out because the buddies were there. And um, now when we couldn't meet and congregate, um, that motivation was gone. So I let that habit slip. So I felt really guilty when you were talking about that part. But the the really let's start with the the idea of building that system. I mean you talked about being a poly innovator and that was you decided that you were going to be that and therefore do everything from the habits, from the mind, body, spirit and emotion that was, you know, would continue to drive you towards attaining that goal but being that in in the moment every moment tell us a little bit about what what were the drivers that got you to build the system you know, how did you yeah. decide you know i need this system in place 
Well, and for those listening in, I know that was a really heavy explanation that I gave, and I'll be better at explaining things as we go on. But it's interesting because I created those systems over time to help me with my own journey. So I mentioned the United Living Construct before, and that was something I was wanting to create, a company, and that's what taught me how to blog, how to use WordPress, how to do content marketing, social media, all this different stuff, even back in 2012. But the thing was, I realized that I wasn't good enough in order to achieve being the leader of that company. And going back a little bit further, even as a young child, and I've said the story before, but when I was eight or nine for my birthday, I asked my family for office supplies because I wanted to be a businessman. And as I got a little bit older at 10, I had my own business selling temporary tattoos. As I got a little bit older than that, I'd say, I want to be a CEO, like grand ambitions. I'll be a 13 year old saying that. And then as a teenager, like a little bit older, I'd say CEO of an international company driven to innovate technology and ideology. And those were the words coming out of a 17 year old's mouth. And that's what drove me to create the United Living Construct. But since I didn't feel like I was good enough for that just yet, I knew that I needed to learn and become better myself. That drove this idea of creating a personal brand as well as teaching myself. At the beginning of Poly Innovator, I created what I call this modular degree, or at the time, do-it-yourself degree, where I started collecting courses and educational materials online, putting it all together in a long list to pursue. And that became kind of the basis around the first phase of Poly Innovator. And so this is kind of a nice little trajectory there over time. Hmm. All right. System came out from that. Okay, that that's fascinating. Now, one of the things that struck me is there's there's a very high level of self awareness there involved. First of all, in recognizing, hey, this is this is what I want to do. This is what will bring me joy. But then also, the self awareness of, well, I need a whole stack of things to really get to the level that I want to be in this and that I can be the best I can be. So where did that self-awareness come from? I guess it came from a lot of introspection. So for example, I remember starting to meditate back when I was a teenager and I've never been good at creating a good habit of meditation versus like working out or learning. But meditation is something I remember doing a lot as best I could being inexperienced. And that helped a lot saying like, okay, getting back into my own mind, understanding what's going on in the world around me, as well as just being hyper aware. So one of my first jobs was being a lifeguard. And because of that, I was able to work on my focus because as a lifeguard, you can't just sit there idly by. You have to watch the pool continuously, as well as be aware of the entire surroundings around you. So I almost got this hyper awareness from a young age, as well as I was always kind of just hyper in general too. And so between both of those things, it helped me just pay attention more and think more in systems. Between both of those things, I think it helped with self-awareness because I understood myself as well as the systems around me. I'm not trying to brag, it's just a matter of fact of how it was. And it's just interesting. I don't really know how to answer your question per se, because it just kind of happened. Hmm. All right. Um, so tell us a little bit more than the United Living Construct. Is that the business you're building? Well, or the ironic thing that. was, it's, yeah, it's more than that. Because yeah. I say business, I say company, but it wasn't really meant to, it wasn't a matter of making money. Making money was just a byproduct of the capitalistic society that we live in globally. Like we live on a, on a global scale on a capitalistic system. And so in order for a company like that to succeed, you either have to be a nonprofit or a profit. And I felt that between those two, profit would have been more of a, chance to grow rapidly for this kind of organization. I wanted to create a hub of innovators, or as I call them, Ulseans, because they're ULC, United Living Construct, I, 
I-N-A-N-S, Alcyons. And I thought that was kind of a unique idea of bringing people together around the world who were innovators. And that whole idea moved on to Poly Innovator as well. I actually created a community for polymathic innovators as well in Poly Innovator. So it was one of those things where I was trying to find a way to get it to work in the systems that were in place already. Okay. Um, so you talked about community there. How important is, is a community to growing that business? And also, I mean, I imagine that with the whole idea of polymath and poly innovation, that, that community is important in terms of bringing in knowledge from different aspects. But how important is the community to building that business? I think more importantly to Poly Innovator rather than the ULC, because the ULC is kind of not dead in the water, but on standby at this point. So I'm focusing on Poly Innovator community. And it really just evolved into what Poly Innovator is now. And I would say it's pretty important because looking around, polymaths are almost shunned in a way. Because if you look at our society, especially in the US, where during the Industrial Revolution, it was more focused on specialization, becoming cogs in the wheel to make sure a factory is able to run effectively. That's when the nine to five was established. And that's when a lot of schooling was established on the US and then global scale. You have to be fo focused on one thing, get one career. But in reality, human beings are multidisciplinary species. We are good at doing a lot of different things. And sure, there's plenty of specialists out there and that's totally okay. But there was a lot of people like myself who were multidisciplinary, who felt confined by choosing one degree or one career path. And I've realized over creating content over these years is that there's a lot of people like me, a lot of pockets of tribes of people who are polymathic or multipotentialite or jack of all trades, whichever term you prefer. And what I really wanted to do was try to bring everybody together. I've always had this idea of combining things. And so not taking away from any of these pockets of people, but rather just create something that could be an umbrella for all of them to come into. And so I created this tribe to help bring people together as well as started interviewing them on my show. Hmm. So how do you find that balance? Because, you know, you talked about that focus, that intense focus, that specialization, which potentially can lead to somebody being an expert in a particular field and actually developing know-how in that field way beyond what other people have in terms of know-how in that field or expertise in that field. And as a result, they can create amazing things within that particular field. And as you say, it's there's constructs around that, there's boundaries around that. How do you balance that with the need to kind of connect the dots between different areas of expertise, different fields, different knowledge um, hubs, and and still get to a level of expertise that can create value for for the business, for the, their customers, and, and for society as a whole. Let's just make this clear too. Even a jack of all trades, which I would consider to be pretty low competency for the most part, is well good enough to actually make significant impact on most companies. You can think of them like the unicorns or the full stack developers and tech companies, these people who can do many different things. Oftentimes, just having the cocktail level knowledge or novice level knowledge in these different areas will bridge those new innovations together. We need people who know multiple different knowledge trees as they're often referred to these different skills. And like you said, find a bridge between them. And that's usually what leads to innovation and new ideas. Now, the deeper you go, deeper down the spectrum that I've been working on as well is a matter of 
Okay, sure, I know this level at a 50% rate. Okay, good. I'm way more knowledgeable than most people in society, but I'm not an expert. That's fine. It's just there's going to be a specialist who's going to replace you at some point for that role. Well, then cool. I can pivot to this one. The, the really great thing about being multidisciplinary is that you're no longer locked into one area. If there's someone who is better than you, well, it doesn't really matter that much, but if someone gets replaced because of that, well, then you could pivot to something new. Specialists are useful, especially like in marketing when you really just want to get someone who's good at SEO or good at social media and that's it, or good at Instagram specifically. But there's a difference between specialists and hyper-specialists. So you can be an expert with only 70 or 80% knowledge in that area. And if you look at the understanding curves of learning skill acquisition, so to speak, if you want to master a skill, they say 10,000 hours, but it's roughly eight to 12,000, depending on how much deliberate practice you use. You can really become an expert in many different fields with just 8,000 hours each if you do it, if you actively work towards that. And granted, it's still going to take decades and years and that kind of thing, but I don't think we need to focus on just one thing. Most people, at the very least, have a hobby or some other kind of career that they secretly want to do. So I think more people are multidisciplinary than they think anyways. I don't know if that answered your question or not. Hmm. Yeah, in in some ways it brought up. I mean, it brought up another discussion point, which I'll I'll come to in a moment. But I guess I'm thinking. You talked about marketing as an example. I'm thinking, you know, the extreme examples are something like, um, let's say we have a serious illness, and um, it, it's, um, I mean, God forbid, but let's say you know there's an internal organ that's failing or has got a got a problem that is very specific and very unique. Well. For me, in my thinking, I would much prefer to go to the specialist that has spent his whole life working just on that organ and, you know, is is the expert in that area. Now, he may not be able to pick up, if I've got another problem, he may not pick that up, but he'll certainly fix that problem with that organ or, or at least, you know, the maximum chances of doing that. Um, that that's kind of the traditional, I guess, comparison that, um, argument that people bring up when they talk about specialization and and the other part of that of course is that those people are the most sought after in in that particular field so the generalist is perhaps the person you see first if you need help with medicine in any form but right. the specialist is is the person that's the most sought after for their particular area well, a counterpoint to that, a couple actually. For one, I actually had a guest on my show who literally could not, she went to all these different specialists, different different fields, like more Ayurvedic, more psychological, neuroscience, a whole bunch of different people, and none of them could figure out what was wrong with her. And not wrong, but like was ailing her. And eventually she finally saw this a general practitioner, someone who had a holistic approach. And because of that, because that person was able to see many different areas, they were actually able to identify what was going on and actually help her. She went to five or six different specialists and they weren't able to help. Additionally, another example is that, I don't know who said this, but there was a saying that the best time to get heart surgery is when all the heart surgeons are out for a conference and you only have to see the generalist because a lot of times the heart surgeon has to specialize or hyper-specialize nowadays. So instead of just working on the heart, they're working on the aortic valve or something like that, something very specific. When you're only looking at that narrow sliver of information, your context to what the situation might be can be very limited as well. So you might not find or even see the problem at all because you're only looking in that one area. Something that could be affecting the heart could be coming from the stomach or it could be some kind of nerve damage in the spine that's causing heart pain. 
And so you have to take a holistic approach to see what the real problem could be. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a really fair point. My, I guess my story came from you know if if you pinpoint the problem, and you've mm-hmm. pinpointed the problem, it it's this specific thing. Then the specialist for that specific thing might be the preference. Whereas as as you point out, if if it hasn't been pinpointed, then the person that has more overview is perhaps more likely to consider all contributing factors and, and may come to the cause of the issues more quickly. Well, and sometimes specialists can cause an even bigger problem. I think my grandfather actually, for example, had heart surgery. And as it turns out later down the line, he probably didn't even have to have that. The actual problem itself didn't necessarily have to do with the heart. And so he, had, he went through that traumatic experience for not really any good reason per se. And the other example was the fact that like, if they're only looking at the heart, and you almost even said this too, like they're talking about, uh, there's a problem here and there's a problem there. And you try to fix this one first. Well, that fix could damage this one worse if it comes down to like, okay, the lungs are as sensitive as well as the heart. Okay, let's focus on the heart first and then we'll deal with the lungs later. Well, that fix for the heart going to the surgery might've infected the lungs even more and caused an even worse issue because of that. Hmm. Yeah. So interesting discussion the the other part of what you said earlier that i think is is important to kind of bring into this conversation and that's the balance part so mm. you know most people have hobbies uh, most people you talked about working out earlier i talked about cycling so most people have some physical activity that they do whether it's just simply going for a walk or um gym work or whatever it might be and the having that balance is important from a number of reasons so talk to us a little bit more about how that plays out in in the concept of poly innovators and and then we'll come back because you know you you mentioned mind body spirit emotion balancing all of that so that's the other part of that conversation i think i love that question Jurgen, because balance is one of my main things in life for some reason that's my main principle i don't know where it came from per se maybe the buddhist books i read when i was younger but I always say the key to life is balance and probably Taoism as well and Confucianism, all these different aspects of Eastern philosophy. And it's interesting because I created the four pillars philosophy because of that, where it's a balance between all these different areas. If you work on just one pillar, most of my adult life has been working at a recreation center where I was a swim instructor, a lifeguard, water instructor, personal trainer. And that's how I got into becoming a fitness expert and doing my own uh, exercises. But I realized that if you focus just on exercise and not your mental capacity, it's kind of like those meatheads you would see on TV shows where they're all bulky, but then they have no, not really much intelligence, which actually, as it turns out, is not always the case. I've met a lot of people who were bulky, who are really intelligent. And I also found that also exercise helps your brain development as well, especially to uh, get it more fast and healthy. Now, that also comes down to meditation too. Meditation, I see as the way to practice focus and work out the brain but also for the spirituality aspect i see spirituality more as the balance between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind and in order to do that you need meditative practices or overall just whatever religion you believe in and focus on deepening that spirituality and then it goes down to the emotion pillar as well if you don't understand your spiritual self and the connection between your reptilian mind and the higher brain or the physical aspects if you eat unhealthy it's going to affect your emotions that's why they always say 
when you eat McDonald's too much or uh, Maccas, you end up having too much of uh, negative hormones in your body and makes you upset. All these different factors come together. So when you build up one pillar or if one pillar goes down, it affects the rest of them. So balance is key. Hmm. All right. Well, um, you know, as, as somebody that has balance as a pretty high value, I, I, that really resonates with me. The, the other thing I think you said there that, you know, I, I just sort of emphasize and point out is that particularly as business owners, often we think, you know, there's a deadline, we have to get this done. So everything else gets ignored for a period of time and we really focus in on this intensively all of our time spent on this one thing and whenever i do that when i find myself doing that you know beyond a day then my productivity is just shot it's it's actually better to take a break go and do some of these other things and then come back and then all of a sudden i find it it's actually easier to get that thing done yeah, for sure. And it comes down to your energy cycles as well. Something I've delved into is sleep. And so understanding the circadian rhythm, which by proxy, the chronotypes, which is a not super proven science yet, but it is interesting nonetheless, where instead of just morning person, early bird and night owl, you have four. You have the people who need less sleep and you have the people who need more sleep. And then for both. So you have the dolphin, the lion, the bear and the wolf. And so I think the lion and the bear need more sleep whereas the dolphin and the wolf need less sleep so the wolf is that person who stays up late sleeps only a little bit like five six hours versus like the bear who sleeps for like eight or nine hours so to speak through the whole, and just understanding the where whole winter. you are on that <laughs> yeah through the whole winter yeah and it's just what's well, interesting too is that it changes in your life my roommate actually started um staying up later recently and he's getting to a different age zone so to speak if you look at it uh, from age one to 100 you have only seven year chunks where presumably it will change as kids we wake up early and can sleep in as much as we want as teenagers we actually need like 10 hours of sleep because our bodies have changed so much it needs to recover and so that's why teenagers like to stay up late and sleep in the school system in the u.s for example is really bad about that where they force you to wake up early which is counterintuitive to the teenagers, most teenagers uh, chronotype. For me, I didn't wake up until 10 a.m. I'm still on that chronotype now, but I was not productive until my third period because my brain just was not active yet. Nowadays, I know that 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. are my best hours, and I know that's when I'm going to be most productive. The other night, it was 8 p.m., and I'm like, oh, I just want to go to bed. And then about an hour later, hour and a half later, I started working on stuff slowly. I'm like, okay, I'm feeling better now. Let's get some stuff done. And it's just understanding your energy levels as well. Hmm. Yeah. And the, the other thing about the energy levels then is actually scheduling time to do the things that require high energy levels at the time when you actually have those high energy levels. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Okay. Um, now, tell us a little bit more about your community and, and the business then and how, what's the plan going forward for that? Well, and the community is something that I've been working on, but I, I'm think, taking a more marathon approach. I'm not going to try to do a whole bunch right now. What I've been trying to do is just unite polymathic innovators and entrepreneurial people. So I often find a lot of entrepreneurs are polymathic as well. And put them all into a big group and see what happens at the current moment. No plans per se, besides if quad plugging is a concept where people work together on creating blog posts and understanding new concepts and 
that's great, but that's not the focus right now for Poly Innovator. So I approached Poly Innovator's idea of being the foundation for my ideal careers. And because of that, I don't want to just do one thing in my life. And that's what scared me about like going to college and being a specialist is that I'd only do one thing. Whereas I was drawn to video games growing up. I was drawn to graphic design all my life and creating music. I love singing. In fact, I made it a self-development uh, endeavor to learn how to sing by going to karaoke religiously <laughs> for four days a week for years. And I did. I learned how to sing really well because of that. And that was one of those things where it took time. I wouldn't have been to do that had I been into college at that particular point. And I think that it was a better choice for me that way. And so these different phases throughout Poly Innovator is what I'm looking forward to. Hmm. All right. Now, it would be remiss of me if we didn't touch on Notion. You brought it up earlier and we spoke about it going into the thing. So what what do you like particularly about Notion and how does it play into what you're doing? First and foremost, it's the best CRM you can have. And that's just one of the customer response tools they would say in business. And I say CRM, but it's also just like organizing people that you know. I call it my networking base. And this is actually something new that I made this summer, whereas I've been using Notion all year. First and foremost, having I've been on I'm on your show, but this is like the 25th show I've been on this year, and I've had over 70 people on my show. Organizing all of that in a Google Doc or an Excel sheet would have been hell. Versus on Notion, every line in its database is its own document, so I can go in and edit the questions I have on my guests on my show, as well as here's the links of that person, here's the timestamps, and the cool thing is you can even do templates. You can have a template of all that put out there, and all you have to do is fill in the information. And so, for example, I did that right away. Even before I had my first guest, I created that. And I'm looking at the networking base right now, and I see the show right there. And I'm able to go in there and add in details like, okay, this is what we talked about. I don't always do that for every show, but it is interesting how I have the option to. And then the Omni content, like you mentioned at the beginning, the reason why I went to Notion, actually, is I tried almost all of the project and task management tools out there. I even made a long form blog post just sharing the links to all of the ones I found because I was like, okay, I want a way to organize this omni-channel approach to content creation. So podcast or polycast in my case, videos, blog posts, micro content, all these different facets while all these different tools focused on just one thing at a time. But in order to be omnichannel, especially as a solopreneur, you have to take a polymathic approach and organize things in a very unique system. And I couldn't do that unless it was in Notion or some kind of tool you can manipulate the systems. Yeah, so Notion's big value, of course, is in the databases and being able to cross-reference those. And as I say that, I'm looking here at, at the um, notes that I've got for this episode, which is based on a template that I have set up and it's cross-referenced with the database and the episode number and date recorded and so on. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I wish I could show you right now what mine looks like, but what I really like to do, I mentioned the whole polymathic approach many times. And even in my mission statement for Poly Innovator, I, I said, take a polymathic approach to everything we do. And so what I wanted to do is go and find all the different Notion people on YouTube like August Bradley is a perfect example of a mm. YouTuber for it. If you haven't heard of him, go check him out. I highly endorse everything he's been working on. And he talks about this life operating system. And also too, real quick, he even made a post today. He's like activating beast mode or something like that, where he was talking about how some points you don't follow the system. Like I have my personal polyinnovation system, which is similar to his whole life operating system idea, both of which I try to use Notion for actually to make. 
But at some point, you're going to fall off the wheel. You're going to fall off the train, so to speak. And that's okay. It's okay to fall off. There's a balance. Like you said earlier, you need a break. And even he even mentioned that in that balance, sometimes you're even more productive than using the systems because then you're unchained, so to speak. The beast is unleashed, as he said. Mm -hmm. And I think that's fascinating. And I, I was looking at this and I was like, okay, what can I do with my notion to combine everybody else's concepts? So there's a guy named Thomas Frank, who's a productivity YouTuber. He created this uh, content management system as well as a uh, reoccurring task system, which was pretty rare with Notion, whereas other tools have it built in. And then Note August has created a whole bunch of little templates. So I'm putting them all together into this Frankenstein dashboard that's just fascinating. Hmm. Yes, there's a there's a whole community growing around Notion. It's quite fascinating. And as you say, there's people that come up with solutions to various bits and pieces and build templates that you can either download for free. I know Thomas Frank has a lot that you can actually get for free. Mm -hmm. He makes available. Uh, August Bradley has some um, fairly complex ones that he sells based on the this amount of work good. he's obviously put in in doing those. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. There's lots, lots of material available. And just to plug in a couple of things here, if you don't mind, I made a Notion OS playlist on YouTube. So if anyone's listening in, just type in Notion OS and it should pop up. But I try to collect all the greatest YouTube videos on Notion. I even had this idea, not this idea, I didn't have it. Someone had this idea of having a little clickable menu where you make, you get an emoji, you put it into a header on Notion and then you hyperlink it and then it acts like a menu to your Notion page. That's so like a visual little menu there it's kind of cool like an app uh, like a macbook mm. bottom so to speak and then also too back to that personal poly innovation system i mentioned the first part of self-education that was also the beginning parts of poly innovator where i wanted to create this modular degree for myself i realized soon after that i was trying to document my journey at the, at the beginning of going through it but i realized that it would be more important to help other people do their own module degree. And the fact that th there's a whole bunch of online resources like Notion that people don't know how to get used to just yet. So people make videos. Well, which video do you go to first? Which skill do you need to learn for it? Systems thinking is very important for Notion, but a lot of people don't realize that. And so creating your own educational pathway, self-curated, so to speak, and being able to explore your own interests at your will and your decision it's something I wanted to work on. So I actually, I'm working on a template for the modular degree that other people can use. Hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. All right. Well, I'm just um, watching the clock here, which I don't like to do in these conversations, but I am respectful of your time and the listener's time. So I think it's a good point now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. And it's designed to help our audience who are primarily leaders and innovators in their field with some tips from your experience. So I've got five questions and hopefully you'll give us some really insightful answers that'll inspire our listener to go and do something awesome today as a result. Let's do it. I'll, I'll try to keep things more concise. <laughs> okay. So number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative. Number one thing is to look at things at a bigger picture as well as the details. So take a macro and micro approach, not just specialist, not just polymathic, but find that balance between them. Hmm. So kind of chunk up to a higher level overview and then dive back down into the details and connect the dots perhaps. Yes. Great. Now, what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? By creating content. So 
it's all about input and output. In Silicon Valley, there's this concept of a second brain, which actually has an origin in Europe as well. Zettelkemen, something like that, Zettelkestemen. He had a system of organizing all his ideas. If he came up in his brain, he'd write it down and organize it and being able to retrieve it. So the idea of input and output. That's why this notion operating system and stuff like that's so important too. So you can actually write down your ideas, put them on the slow burner and find an output like content, like blogging or whatever you want to do. And I think if you have an output, it starts generating more ideas because you're being creative. You're building the brain muscle, so to speak. Hmm. Yeah, and I like the, it's Sattelkasten, by the way, it's a Thank German you. word. Uh, <laughs> the, I like that concept from the point of view of, I mean, there's, there's the work of David Allen too, of getting things done. So, you know, don't clutter your brain with all these things, all these thoughts that are future ideas and don't need any action right now and get them out of your head into some system. And Notion is great for that, of course. The um, The idea there, of course, is they're available for you to go back to and, and develop in from an idea into something more concrete, but they're out of your head so that your mind's free to work on new ideas. Danke, Zodokastan. I didn't realize the name. I couldn't remember. Um, and yes, I totally agree. It's one of those things that's being able to just mind dump and get it off your brain so you can focus on mm. the task at hand. Yeah, love it. All right, now uh, we've probably answered this one. What's the favorite resource you use most often? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. excluding Notion, I guess you could say. <laughs> I guess one of the other things is the WordPress or now Ghost CMS, which I was mentioning beforehand, before recording, that I'm moving from WordPress to Ghost. I think having a system like a website in general, whether it's WordPress or Ghost or Squarespace, whatever, is something that's useful because it gives you your own home. If you don't have a home for people to go to, then you're relying on the other platforms and you're at privy to their decisions. So there's a whole YouTube adpocalypse, for example, where everyone was worried they're not going to make income from YouTube anymore. Well, if you're on YouTube only, then your whole life could be destroyed instantly if YouTube would go away. Have your own website. That's the tool I use. Any tool, mm, but yeah. have a website. That There's a really important point you made there in terms of, you know, you, you own the real estate there and the content you produce and the material you produce and publish there is yours and it, it can't be taken away now even if wordpress or ghost decide to stop their thing you've still got the you've still got that content and you can easily put it somewhere else yeah that's the one thing i i worry a little bit about notion i think what if notion goes away i'm so vested in it well i i've been trying to periodically export my notion just to make sure mm. i have a backup because i think it's like html which at least could be saved if even if it's yeah, not perfect it um one thing i would like to touch on real quick is medium and anchor two platforms that are really great for some people but i don't i feel really scummy about when it, when it comes to those two i started medium years ago and i moved my from my wordpress blog to medium and i made over 100 stories on that platform with both of my publications united in construct and poly innovator and i found that as they were changing to a more monetization model, because they needed to, they were getting more and more scummy with it and forcing you to have a membership. And they also, just, every time I reached out to them, were very dismissive and rude about it. Like, okay, I don't really like this. And then the whole idea of like Hacker Noon, which was a big blog publication on that platform, had to go through hell to get their stuff off. And then I recently heard that Medium is no longer allowing big publications like that to export their content anymore. And... Mm. That might be hearsay, but I'm pretty sure it came from an official source. 
And it made me think, oh, that's kind of gross, where if I wanted to leave that platform, I'm locked to it. All my content's yeah. on there. And then Anchor also has something similar where it's hard to, the legalities behind the terms of service was kind of weird. So I just don't like having all my stuff on there. So mm. I moved it all off as recently. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I did, a friend of mine has this saying, and it's about, um, it's in response to people who say, oh, I don't need a website because I do everything on Facebook. And oh, no. the saying is, last time I looked, you weren't Mark Zuckerberg. So you don't actually own Facebook and, and you don't own the content that you're putting up there. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah, I had an experience with Medium recently. So I use Medium, but I basically republish my blogs. And there is a process for doing that. And it's officially sanctioned. And Google accept that it's not duplicate content because yeah, the way no. you do it is is link back. Um, now, Medium, a, a month or so ago, Medium shut down my account. Really? My account. Yeah. And I went back to them. I said, what's going on here? And they said, well, you're publishing content from your blog post. And I said, yeah, that's. And then I, I sent them the link from their own website that yeah. went through. This is how you do it correctly. And this yeah. is how you do it. So it's it's legit and it's not duplicate content. And I said, I'm following this process. Uh, what's going on? <laughs> and then they backed down. Yeah, I bet. I had a similar issue, I think, too. Maybe not because of duplicate content, but I had an issue where I was following the rules and Medium like turned off one of my publications randomly over some kind of small issue. And I think that was one of the reasons why I left off of there, too. It's like, you shut down my publication for no reason, mind you, instantly. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, that's not cool. Hmm. And I had a similar issue with Quora, too, where one of my I was on there daily because I wanted to build that leadership on Quora. So I was answering questions daily. I have over 460,000 views now because of that endeavor. But there was one day where I answered a question that I was really proud of. I had a lot of links to a lot of resources. None of them were mine. It was just purely wanting to help this person. But since there was too many links, my answer got locked and my account was like under review or something like that because of one answer that was overly linked. And because of that, I was so offended that I just left the platform. I mean, I didn't delete anything, but I just like stopped posting on there every day. And mm. it's just when you have something like that, that can go away right away. It's just why take that chance? Yeah, yeah. So really important point there. Have your own website, have your own content in your own areas where you have control over it. And also you can access it and download it and move it somewhere else if, if you need to or want to. Okay, now what's the best way to keep a project on track? Keep a project on track. So I'm really a fan of prioritization, and August Bradley comes back up because I'm really trying to adopt his Pipes, Pillars, Vault system where you focus on the life areas and the various projects you're working on and the daily tasks that you can accomplish. And it it's sort of like the get things done mentality, but it's a little bit more modified, especially for Notion. But... um. I think that having a system like that where you can just have a priority and I, I think you and I both are used to it enough to where we can do it mentally, but if we have some written down ideas, it's much more easy to tackle. Do this first, do this first. Like this week, I've had a lot of things happen all at once that I need to work on that are instant. For example, I have a lot of guests on my show who've been waiting a long time to be released because I wanted to do a weekly release. And I realized, okay, I don't like this weekly release thing. And I don't, I don't like actually even more. I mean, I like the weekly release. I don't like how people are waiting. It makes me feel bad, even though they don't mind. So I decided, okay, for the rest of the year, I'm going to do daily episodes, which is ridiculous, but I'm going to do it because I told people I would. 
but I added a whole bunch now to my plate. Instead of having one episode a week where I have to edit and upload and timestamp and all this different stuff manually, I'm going to do it every day. And so I, I realized today I need to work on my website. I have priorities that need to be done before I can launch this new website. I have the episode I need to record. I have this interview with you. I have to go work later for an hour or two. And then beyond that, I have a whole bunch of other stuff I need to work on. Well, it's just a matter of take one thing at a time. Think of it in a macro view. I have this whole thing in my head, which probably would do me well if I brain dumped. Uh, but just take things in a prioritization manner. Find what needs to be done first. Focus on it. Get it done, and then move on. Hmm. Hopefully, that helps people. Yeah, yeah. I I think you know it, it, there's nothing real magic there, but it it does um, it just helps to make progress so break it down into small chunks and what's the next thing i can do to move forward and well, and do that and having the having the list yeah. in some form is really helpful i find it really helpful i i usually write down one three and five things i want to do today and if i only get the one thing done then it's a, day. It's a successful day that's right and well, and there's no that secret kind pill. of keeps the other things out of my mind yeah yeah there's no secret pill you know what i mean like as much as we like systems you and i both are gabbing about notion we're talking about a lot of different habits and balance and all these the personal poly innovation system was meant to be kind of like a secret pill if you do all these different things your life's going to significantly improve but it's a matter of doing those things and even i fail at doing them all the time too i don't meditate as much lately my workouts have been not as good as before the quarantine, because I literally worked at a recreation center, I could work out my system of exercise well revolved around working. When I stopped working because of the pandemic, my habit went out the window. Your habit from accountability went out the window when the pandemic hit. And so we had our systems. Your system was the accountability factor. My system was the fact that it was easier for me to just go work out because I was already there. But our habits faltered because the systems were damaged at that time. Now we're getting back into a group of things. And I think for you and I both, probably, we're able to get back there quicker than most people because our systems were strong in the first place. Even though they were broken, they still were strong inherently. So there's no secret pill. It's just a matter of building it up over time. Mm, yeah. And also, if you know, like we've shared that there are times when we've let our habits slip and not followed through, and, and that's perfectly okay because we're all human. <laughs> yeah. That's going to happen. So beating yourself up over coming off the wagon there to use that term is not productive either. So it's really just a case of self-reflection. We talked about that a little bit earlier and, and saying, okay, what, what can I do there? All right. Um, now, what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Build a personal brand. I know that's one of the things that people scoff at. Oh, it's kind of businessy, but it's, it, all it is is an online reputation. I definitely do take after the whole Gary V mentality that everyone is a media company because in reality, we're creating content every day, no matter if we're a content creator or just posting pictures on Facebook for our family. You're a content creator because of that. And it's like your real life reputation where you want people to see you as this way. You dress this certain way to, in order to present yourself. Sure, people can fake it online, but people usually recognize that, hey, this person's faking it. Let's not listen to them. Versus people who are genuine and actually wanting to help. And if you have something to offer, you might as well. Hmm. Yeah. So building an authentic personal brand then. Hmm. Because Poly Innovator is an extension of me. It's what I wanted to do in my life. And I used Poly Innovator as a catalyst to do those things. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great highlight um, of, of that in action. 
Yeah. So I love that. All right. Now, thanks, Dustin. This has been really fabulous. Thanks for getting us through the buzz round. Now, where can people find out more about you? Um, maybe even reach out to get in touch and say thanks for what you've shared today and also learn about your podcast and your YouTube channel because I know you, know you talked about producing content and you've got lots of content there for people to check out. Well, I would say that I just released the 101st episode of the Polycast, which is fantastic. I'm very happy about that. Mm. And I have... Congratulations. Thank you. However, so many videos on YouTube and I, I'm moving all my blog posts to the new site. So once the new site goes up, I would say that in general, it's going to keep the same domain name. So if it's an old one or new one, you can go to polyinnovator.space and you'll be able to find the site that way. And I try to make sure that all my links are available, which is one reason why it's taken so long to get the site up. So I want to make sure it's very conducive for you to get from point A to point B as easy as possible. And also too, I like to have this little challenge. Since I'm omni-channel, I like to be on every platform I can, including blockchain social media, as well as obscure social media platforms no one's heard of, and of course the main ones. So just search for at polyinnovator on any platform of choice and you'll probably find me. Hmm. Great. All right. And we'll post a few links there to get you started so that um, you you can follow the trail. Yeah. Okay, now, do you have some parting advice for our listener today? Parting advice. I would say, not to plug my own horn, so to speak, but the personal innovation system I made based off of learning from years of studying philosophy and digging into research of mind, body, and connections and stuff like that, just take a look at the PPS, as I like to call it, because it will help you. Even if you just take a little bit out of that, it should help you get on the right track. You're not going to be able to implement a big system like that right away. But people often underestimate what they can do. They overestimate what they can do in one year, but they underestimate what they can do in 10 years. So if you start pursuing that system now and only take in the body pillar or the mind pillar or something like that, or focus on the modular degree, whatever part of the spectrum you like, you're still going to be improving yourself. And eventually you'll be able to expand to the habits, expand to the self-education and build off from there. Hmm. All right. And we can find that through the polyinnovator.space link. Yes. Yeah, great. Okay. Now, finally, who else should I need to have on this show and why? I am I have been working with a guy named Pete Senna. He is a very innovative and force multiplier, as he's called. And I love, I love having him on my show. Me and him have talked a lot about just self-development and innovation and philosophy. It was super fascinating to talk to him. And I'll be happy to connect to you after the show as well. But you guys should all look up PeteSenna.com. Super interesting guy. Has some great content. Go check him out. Wonderful. All right. We'll get that introduction to Pete from you and we'll have him on the show for a conversation as well. Yeah. So thanks. Thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights with us today. It's been fascinating to explore the world of poly math and poly innovation and learn more about how you approached that whole topic and how you've developed systems to support that. So thanks for sharing that so generously with us today, Dustin. Really appreciate it. And all the best for the future and let's keep in touch. For sure. Thank you for having me, Jurgen. I hope you enjoyed that insightful and really informative conversation with Dustin and took something away from his episode. Dustin shared some fascinating ideas on the future of learning and education and how to balance that across all aspects of your life. I'd love to know what you took away from Dustin's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Dustin Miller. That is D-U-S-T-I-N 
M-I-L-L-E-R, all lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Dustin Miller. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Dustin, as well as links to his website, to the Polymath Polycast, to his social media pages and the other resources we spoke about in today's conversation. Now, if you like this episode, please share it with two other people on social media, two other people that it might really help. Tag me in on that share and I'll reach out to you with a really special surprise. Dustin suggested that we have a conversation with Pete Senna of Digital Surgeons on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Pete, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Dustin Miller. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast. We've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including photographer John D'Amato and podcaster and Podthon co-host Lee Weihara. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.